Hey, listen up. Yeah, we here and we locked in. Let's keep it going all the way to the top ten. We feel the turtle, so it's no other option. Fred and Ryan, just watch them. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Shell and Tell. It's episode, I don't even know 21? at this point. It it's is. been it's so long since we've done it. Episode 21, Sunday, October 11th, 2020. And I even, I hate saying that year. Oh, it's the worst year. It's the absolute, absolute worst, worst year. year. <laughs> it's been a little while since we sat down and uh, got together to talk some Terps. And uh, we've been meaning to do so for a while. And we just, we've been in a, our fields a little bit. Yeah, we, say. I, I think we got scared off because as anyone that's listened to this show before knows, we released our season preview uh, less than 24 hours before they said there was no season. Exactly. So we kind of felt like the doomsday sayers and didn't want to bring this stuff back. But, you know, it feels as long as the NFL keeps going, we'll have a season. Right. That's where I'm at right now. <laughs> yeah, the NFL was definitely the guinea pig in this whole situation. Yeah, and it's starting to... Like leak at the seams. Hopefully, it doesn't sink anytime soon. Yeah, cancel the Titan season for God's sake. Just get them out of the league. <laughs> but yeah, man, it, it has. It's been an emotional roller coaster, really, that over the last month or two. Will they play? Will they? Will they not? Uh, we're on our third schedule. I know it's it's <laughs> ridiculous. And this this whole schedule that they have, which we're going to talk a little bit about as well. This new eight and one Big Ten schedule little bit different than what we're used to. Obviously, a shortened season and whatnot, uh, and a, and a, and a kind of cool way, to, I think, to finish off the year. It actually gives us a game to uh, be competitive in yeah, at the I end like of the it. year. I, I hope kinda, this is the only thing that continues after 2020. Right. <laughs> so we're definitely going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, the first week of the season against Northwestern. Uh, it's a it's a uh, what should be a pretty tough game, but if you ask the odds makers. They're pretty heavily on the Northwestern side of this game. Yeah, I don't understand how we could possibly be that far behind Northwestern, but we'll just have to see when we get on the field. That's right. And then we're going to take a little bit of a twist uh, on this upcoming season. Ryan and I are going to have a little bit of fun. We're going to do uh, our version of a Terps fantasy draft, which uh, should be fun. We don't know who's going to be starting yet, as they haven't announced what an official depth chart looks like yet, so this could be for not. But uh, either way, still be a fun way to look at the team. Yeah, last year we got to have time and we knew when the schedule was going to happen. The world wasn't ending. So we got to review like group by group receivers, running backs, quarterbacks. Well, you know, we all just kind of pressed pause and all of a sudden the, rece- the season's actually here. Thought this would be a cool way to quickly review, you know, our stars. Right. And then uh, for the depression session of the podcast, we're leaving that for the very end. So if you want to tune out before you, yeah, you know, ahead, before you get too depressed, or if you need to pop a Zoloft, whatever you need to do to get through the last section, we're going to kind of talk a little bit about the the complications and all the implications that we've come across so far with COVID and this season, and really just sports in general on the collegiate level. Yeah, just the fallout that could be for years from this, and see how we can do make it a little bit better. Right. Right. All right. So let's let's start it off. Let's talk a little bit about this whole emotional roller coaster. Like we said, uh, they they did go through the the transition of the different scheduling and everything, but they've got an official schedule out now that we haven't had a chance to talk about live on the air. Obviously, you and I have talked a little bit about it over the last few weeks. They come out with this new eight and one schedule. Ryan, kind of simplify that and explain that to fans how that's going to work this year. So in years past, you've always had a schedule of your both out-of-conference uh, and in-conference teams. Well, obviously, we got rid of all the out-of-conference. Pretty much across the board in the country, everyone's only playing their conference right. to try to control more. So we're playing eight Big Ten teams and then a plus one. The plus one is normally you would have Big Ten Championship Week with the uh, first place from East and West. Right. Well, now first and first play, just like usual, but also second, second, third, and third, all the way down. And I think it's a really creative way to squeeze in another game, still have your championship game, you know, Hopefully, the winner of that championship game in the Big Ten is going to be looked at for the playoffs. That's why you have to get that that done. Right. But it's a, a cool way to have every team play that week. It's I still don't understand whether it's going to be, you know, by record where it's played, what's going on with the location of that game. I don't know if it's be home or away, um, but it will be a more uh, equal 
opponent than a lot of our schedule because we're playing murderers row as usual yeah yeah that's true i, I was kind of looking at this schedule so i'll, I'll kind of run down the list here real quick just so everybody knows what the schedule looks like and who we're playing uh obviously we kick off the year on the road at northwestern uh in a game that we're going to talk a little bit more about in detail in a bit uh we come back home play against the Minnesota Gophers, who are a, a tough team. Obviously, we went up to Minnesota last year. We watched that game live. They they handed our asses to us. They did, essentially. and it was still an amazing trip. It was. A great trip, nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> then we go back on the road, uh, short trip up to Pennsylvania as we take on the Nittany Lions and Penn State. Obviously, a perennial top 10 ranked team, and they're right there on the fringe this year as the preseason rankings have them at number 10. Come back home in a rematch of where we first met, our first game that we went to together, Ryan and I, as we take on Ohio State, another perennial top 10 team, as they, they come in ranked number six. Yep. That should be a uh, three really fun games yeah. in a row. <laughs> <laughs> then it might get a little easier here uh, for the it'll next two. I don't know if it'll be winnable yet, yeah. but it'll be easier. <laughs> as we, we stay home for the first one, taking on Michigan State, which... Uh, was was a bit of a of a shit show last year just because the weather up in Michigan was terrible last year. But we were in that game, we were competitive in that game, and I think we can be as well this she- this season. Yes, absolutely. That's definitely one of the ones you keep an eye on, uh, ear tab to try to get a W. Then we go back out on the road. We go up to Indiana, which Indiana is a, a a much improved team. They're bringing back a lot of starters from last year. They're still going to be a good game. This is a game where you would think, with just looking at the schedule at a glance, this should be an easy game for the Terps, but. I don't think so. I think this is going to be a challenge for the Terps. There's no easy games in the Big Ten. It's but, true. <laughs> for, or true. for us. Anyway. Yeah, that's true. But, but it's definitely, again, one of the ones you look at when you're tallying where we should be this year, that you could win that game. Uh, I look at it as a strong possibility. Then uh, from there, we stay on the road to take on top 25 ranked team, Michigan Wolverines at 23 overall. Uh, and then finish out the year before the the Big Ten you know, tournament game. Uh, finish out the game at home against Rutgers in what should be a very winnable game. Yeah, I think what Rutgers is is your W we both mark down. Yeah. Um, I think Michigan is, it's strange to me that they're ranked and Minnesota's not after last season. Right. So that's a little weird for me. I'm not sure. I would think that Michigan is not like oh somewhere i'm looking for a w but i think a much higher chance in my head than against minnesota well, well let's talk about it then right so you and i had put out uh, a couple of polls a couple of weeks ago on twitter and it was the the polls would basically what were the fan expectations for this season uh, on two levels where did we see this team how many wins did we see this team actually achieving this year on this shortened schedule and then the second one was a follow up to it and it was what do we deem a successful season for Coach Loxley and this staff moving forward that we're seeing progression? Uh, and we got some interesting results on this. Yeah, the win totals um, was was pretty spread out. People were okay with twenty percent of people were okay with one to two wins, two to three wins, or five plus wins. Y'all are crazy if that's what your standard <laughs> is is five plus wins for this yeah, schedule. Agreed. Um, but the the forty percent the winning vote is three to four wins. Um, and that's right where I have it. I have it at um, three wins in the regular season and winning that plus one matchup in week nine uh, to get us to four wins. That's kind of how I see the season falling out. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I thought you had it a, a little higher than that based on what we had here in the outline. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm right there with you. I'm in that. I think we're going to win three games in the regular season because I think Northwestern right off the bat, there's a lot of question marks with this Terps team, obviously that still need to be answered. And we're going to talk about the depth chart here in a little bit and what we think could shake out, but obviously offensive lines, a big question mark, and that's going to affect the quarterback play. It's going to affect the running back. That's just going to affect the offense as a whole, right? We don't know who's playing at quarterback yet. We've got the, the new transfer in Talia, coming in out of Alabama. We've got the 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 high four-star recruit that we saw a little bit of last year, Lance Lejean, who has physically developed, and a lot of people are hype on him. But from what we've heard, there hasn't been any separation yet, and they're going to keep it close to the vest as far as deciding on who the starting quarterback is going to be moving forward. Uh, we've, we're replacing a couple of NFL players at the running back position with some highly recruited four-star running backs and some veterans that are coming back. We got a little bit of a mix there. Yep. So that there is, there's just a lot of questions to, to answer with this, but I'm right there with you. I've got Northwestern as a winnable game for me. I think Michigan state 
is a question mark. That's where this team could go from a three-win team to a four-win team if they can pull one off in Michigan State. I do believe, as we talked about it a minute ago, Indiana is definitely a winnable game. And then Rutgers to finish off the season. So I'm right there at that three to four wins for the regular season. And then I think based on that, we should be we should have a favorable matchup going into that championship game just based on one for one, you know, two for two, three yeah, for three. We'll end up in sixth or seventh place in the Big Ten East. So exactly. that team should be pretty beatable on the West because the West is not as stacked as the East is in the Big Ten. Right. Um, I see very similar games. Again, I see Rutgers of the lock and then a Northwestern um, Indiana, Michigan State as coin flips. Right. So and then. There is the slight possibility in my head. Again, I think Michigan is strongly overrated, and we have beat them before. It's a possibility. So if you take my coin flips, do half, that's three to three and a half wins in the regular season. And again, we win the last week. So the reason the uh, projections look there is you put that you went between three to four wins, and I put the actual record. Four wins, five losses. Oh, okay. I got you. (laughs) That's why that was different. Okay, I got you. (laughs) Well, I mean, if all goes well and your coin flips all well go well, oh yeah, sounds great. You could be a five win five win season there and be on that twenty percent side that uh, the fans liked. We'll be doing cartwheels. (laughs) Uh, So, all right, let's let's open that up to the next poll that we had, which we talked a little bit about what we deemed as fans a success so far in the locks era what do we need to see from this season to consider locks program and success good moving forward yeah so basically it was more about recruiting it was to keep the great recruiting class that we have going forward to keep the progress and have these these uh young guys believe that locks is taking the program in the right direction um so the the results there were a lot stronger. So three plus wins was at 54%. Four plus wins was at 41%. Two wins at 6%. And nobody thought one win was a success to keep locks in the season. And I would I agree with that. I would totally agree with that. <laughs> right. I think that three is pretty realistic. That that's where you need to be. Um, but one of our, our best comments on that, I really want to bring up Mr. Aaron Franklin. Yeah. Shout um, out to Aaron Franklin. Big fan of the show. It listens all the time, man. Appreciate your feedback. Yeah, good as insight, always. always. Yeah. Um, so he commented, it's less about win total, more about being in these games with the top schools. So it's less, you don't want to get blown out by 45, 50 points by Ohio state. We, we talked about it prior to the show. What were they like? 45 yeah. point underdogs 40, against Ohio state, 42 and a half points. Jesus. You got the Terps plus 42 and a half against Ohio state. Uh, that, Ridiculous. That, hurts. that hurts in my soul <laughs> yeah. that we're in the same division as somebody that is favored by 42 and a half points. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I 100% agree with his take on that. Um, you know, I do think, again, just looking at the schedule, they need to win three to four games. And in, in order for me to feel happy about things and to feel confident about where this team is headed. Uh, but I do think that the bigger the bigger story here, the bigger thing to track here is how are we playing in even these matchups that we know we're going to lose? Is it over by halftime? And are we like not even paying attention to the game after halftime? Or are we like still within a couple possessions within striking distance at halftime and then maybe lose by two, maybe three scores total? So let me test you on that. Yeah. So we beat Northwestern. Mm-hmm. We beat Rutgers. You got the L sandwich. You ever lose everything else in the middle. <laughs> okay. And you are within 21 points of both Penn State and Ohio State and within three to seven points of the rest. How are you feeling at the end of the year? Oh, I'm good. I'm good so with that's that. two wins and you're still happy. I'm still that, happy that, that because that's still going to finish with three wins because if you only have two wins, the matchup that you're going to have at the end of the year is going to be against... Oh, yeah, it's going to be three wins. Yeah, right. you're going to be three wins at that point. But the, the bigger point of your story there, your situation there, is that we were in all of those games in games that we are going to be projected to lose by 30, 40 points, you know, against the Penn States and the, the Ohio States of the world that we did lose by more than 40 points last season. We were embarrassed by Penn State at our own home in front of all the fans that we had there, right? <laughs> so many. It was so bad. Uh, I think if we can be within, you know, that 20 to 25 point range against those tops, you know, those top 10 teams, I think that shows progression. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you on that. That's why I wanted to put it out there. When you were singing three wins again, I was thinking regular season. But yes, right. if, if you were that close to those top Big Ten East foes, you're going to win that last place matchup against the Big Ten West. Agreed. 
All right, so let's let's take a look at this first week, first game of the season. We're taking on Northwestern. We're going on the road, 10-24, October 24th. It's the battle of the three and nine teams from last season, from 2019. Uh, last time we played them, we lost 37 to 21 at College Park. wasn't a pretty game against Northwestern, but again, a lot has changed since then. Yeah, the whole world's changed, yeah. including our program. We've lost many to the NFL. We've lost many to um, opting out. We've got many to transfers. Um, so we're not at full strength, and and no one in the country is really at full strength. Uh, That's that, right. Northwestern's not an exception here. They lost one of the top players in the country, Rashawn uh, Stater. He's a projected first-round pick. Uh, he's already declared for the 2021 draft and plans to sit out and just work out for this next NFL season. Uh, he was a monster at 6'3", 308. Uh, came in only as a three-star um, in 2017, but he's going to go to the league without a doubt. And this is a guy that plays guard uh, on their offensive line, which we obviously know the impact of having some guys leave or opt out of this season as far as offensive linemen go. Fortunately enough, fortunately enough, we did learn a couple of weeks ago that Johnny Jordan has now re-opted back into the season so we've got our center. You know, a lot of the question marks were how are we going to play interior offensive line? Who is going to be the center? We do get Johnny Jordan back, which is good. Uh, but yeah, both of these teams are going to have some challenges on the offensive line. Yeah. In addition to that, Northwestern, um, it was dealing with a medical retirement. We've had a couple of those over the, over yeah. the last couple of years. Um, their center slash guard, Sam Stavall. Um, he appeared in nine games last season, but he was projected to be one of their starters as well. So their offensive line is definitely where we need to get some attack. We have some young um, Juco transfers on our defensive side that need to be able to take advantage of that. Right. Some good linebackers that we got coming in, both freshmen and returning returning players. Um, so definitely need to take advantage of that offensive line if we're going to win this game. Okay. So you're Mike Loxley, and you're building an offensive game plan against this Northwestern team. How are we attacking this team? Who are we attacking them with is probably the better question, right? Who <laughs> we don't know again, like I said, we don't know what the depth chart's going to look like. We don't know who's going to be out there, but you're Mike Loxley. Put your your head coach hat on, right? You're going into this first week of the season against Northwestern. Again, a team that you should win against, a team that you know you should feel confident going against. Who are you attacking them with? Who are you throwing out there against Northwestern? I don't think it's about Northwestern. Okay. I think what you go back to our Ellis McKinney interview. What did he tell us? Syracuse. That was what that offense is supposed to look like. Right. That was when they all did their job. That was what they practiced. That was how it's supposed to go. If you can run a Mike Loxley offense like that, how it's supposed to go, it's going to take a top, top tier defense to keep up with that. Okay. And you're but not going against them. dig a little deeper there, right? Last year was a totally different looking offense. We had Anthony McFarlane, we had Javon Leak, we had uh, Josh Jackson. We had all these guys that uh, were out on the field that are not going to be out on the field this year. Okay. So if we're wanting to run that offense that we ran against Syracuse against Northwestern, who runs that offense and what does it look like? I mean, you have either one of the quarterbacks is capable. Yeah, okay. And Tayon Philippe Davis is still a solid running back. You still have a loaded receiver core with Rakeem Jarrett, Deshaun Jones making his comeback, Mr. Weapon X touchdown on his first three touches of the turf. You know, so hang on a second. Deshaun Jones, right? He's he's an interesting topic for me. And he's one that I kind of wanted to get your take on because he is a guy that exploded onto the scene like no other. Right. You know, the, we all know the Texas game that he had, that the receiving touchdown, the running touchdown, the throwing touchdown exploded onto the scene. Right. So we were all super hyped about him, but he goes off with a serious knee injury. Right. And he's got to rehab it. He's got to go through back. What what are your realistic expectations for Jay Sean Jones? Do you think he comes in and has an immediate impact in this offense and he is the player that we expect him to be? Or do you think it's going to be kind of, a you know, a struggle to kind of get back to where he was? Or do you think he just jumped on the scene and, and, and lit things up and maybe he's a little overhyped? Mm, no. Okay. <laughs> yes. He had three receive or touchdowns in the first 20 minutes of his career. Right. He still was a true freshman who scored seven touchdowns that year. Right. So he did have four more touchdowns, which is good for a freshman without that game. And again, this was before the Mike Loxley era. <laughs> he, yes, it was. I, I don't think that's going to matter. Lux, Loxley's playing talent, and he is one of our top talents. Right. My man's been throwing down highlight films on all the social media pages for the Terps, one-handed catches, shaking players, and all that's with a knee brace on. 
Right. I I, I think he's going to be a, a top option. I mean, yes, we do have Dante Demas and Rakeem Jarrett on top of it. They're also going to be big-time players. But that probably means that Jashwan Jones is seeing the third-best corner on most teams, and I'll take that all day. Yeah. I agree. And it, it'll be interesting to see how Loxley uses Jason Jones. I mean, obviously they were using him out of the backfield. You know, they were using him as a slot wide receiver. They kind of used him all over the field. I wonder if he's going to have that same kind of versatility and usage in this offense. We'll have, we'll have to see, but we got plenty of options there for it. For sure. And you mentioned him just kind of briefly. Uh, Dante Demas was a guy that you and I were both hyped on when we went to the spring game last year. You know, we, he kind of jumped off the page as far as his size, his athleticism, his hands, just total package. I thought just looking at what I saw last year in that spring game prior to the season, he jumped off as potential NFL type talent to me. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He's got the athleticism. There's a lot to like about Dante Demas, but he did kind of disappear last year. Uh, he, I mean, he, we had no offensive line play because everyone was banged up. He's a deep ball threat. Like no other. He did have huge splash plays of giant bombs, but yes, he was not as good as we thought he was going to be, but nobody was. Yeah, we we had a great tight end last year. We, you you were all all about yeah that Tyler Mabry that had to stay in and chip block all day instead of making great plays that he was making early in the season. That's a good point. So everybody everybody kind of that was a downfield threat fell back a little bit because of the offensive play, offensive line play. I agree with that. I agree with that. Okay, I'm just looking at this wide receiver core as a whole. And listen, there's. All kinds of reasons to be excited about this wide receiver core. We have weapons all over the field. Obviously, the five-star and Rakim Jarrett coming in, he's obviously getting all the hype in camp right now, and a lot of players are excited about him. Uh, you know, There's just a lot to be excited about with this wide receiver core. The the running backs, though, we talked a little bit about Tayon Fleet Davis, right? He's coming back as he was the third option last year, but he's going to be right up there with Jake Funk, another veteran that's coming back as a uh, as a senior running back. Running backs are going to be at a premium. We've got some freshmen coming in that you're interested in, too, in this game. Yeah, you got Penny Bone and Isaiah Jacobs, uh, brother of Josh Jacobs for the Raiders. Right. But I feel like you're just trying to steal all my draft picks. You're trying to dig in some order here. <laughs> so let's get back to this this Northwestern team and who they have bring into the field. Okay. <laughs> so they also have a wide receiver talent we got to look out for. Um, so we have uh, Mr. Uh, Riley Lee, six foot, 200 pound wide receiver. He's coming off 51 receptions and 430 yards, two scores. Um, Riley's also a big part of their return game. He had a 50 yard, uh, return TD. So kind of Jack of all trades. Um, got to look out for that kind of speed. Yeah. Um, definitely one of our biggest question marks on the Terps is our cornerbacks. We have lots of them, but we don't have any proven. Like right. we, there's so many, like I, I could throw a dart and try to put out who our starting cornerbacks are because right. everyone seems about equal. Um, and then, uh, Drake Anderson, uh, is on their uh, Doak Walker award watch list. So we got a, a good running back going here. Uh, 12 games, but only started in two. He rushed for team high, 634 yards, three touchdowns on 100, uh, 154 attempts. This included 141 yards uh, on 26 attempts of fate UNLV. Um, let's hope we can beat Vegas also, because like I <laughs> said, uh, 17 and a half point dogs. We got to shut down these guys to make that not happen. Yeah. ESPN also throwing some disrespect on us. ESPN has only a 10% chance to win. And if that's one of my coin flips, I've got really bad coin flips. Yeah. I mean, listen, they've, they've got a, a decent running back there, but they're going to have a lot of the same problems that we're talking about with offensive line. You just listed the, the, you know, the, players that aren't going to be available and whatnot that were expected to be starters for them. So they're going to have some young guys stepping in to fill in and they've got some big shoes to fill. So I don't know, could they see the same type of production from the running back? Maybe, uh, but it's definitely going to be a challenge for our defensive front. It certainly will be. All right. So let's, let's talk a little bit about how we think this game might go. Uh, I mean, I know, like you said, ESPN and Vegas and everybody has us under this game 17 and a half what do you see happening in this game i think that um with less practice with less going on that defense is always behind offense a little bit because it's more of a team game right like we talked about the offensive line offensive line men are very important but you need all of them you can't have one great offensive lineman that's useless because they're just going to run around them right 
So with the defensive team having to play, I think it's going to be more of a high-scoring game. Um, I see this as 28-31, and the Terps squeak it out. Okay, okay. I think the team, what we're going to see this year, um, and we're seeing it through the NFL, and we're going to see it through college football team, is the teams with the the less the least amount of turnover. You know, the teams that have the most continuity are probably going to be the teams that that come out the gates the strongest, right? Maryland at this point, they they have 56 first-year players in the program with the freshmen, the transfer, all the JUCO guys, all that. 56 new players coming into the squad. That's a lot of question marks, right? And they're and they're practicing in a very short window because they weren't playing and now they are playing, right? There's all these question marks. Uh, about how this team's going to do. But I do think Northwestern's kind of in a very similar boat. So these are equally matched teams as far as that goes. I'm going to take the team that has the better skill talent, the better skill player talent. And I think Maryland is loaded across the board, even if, you know, regardless of which quarterback they go with, Lance Lejean or Talia. And we'll talk a little bit about them in a minute too as to why I think they're going to go one way versus the other. But I think either quarterback that they go, the skill set at wide receiver that we just talked about, the skill set that they have at running back coming in, I like Maryland in this game, and I don't have it as close as you do. I have Maryland winning this one 34-24. All right, I like yours better. Let's do that. <laughs> be a big flip from what Vegas says. That would be a big flip. We could make some money. Let's let's bet that money line, Fred. <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's, uh, let's, let's have a little fun with this, right? We talked about it prior to the show. Uh, we're going to do our own version of a fantasy terps draft right so the way we're going to do this is we're only going to draft one quarterback per team right we're going to take two running backs per team two wide receivers per team and two defensive players these are guys that remember we're doing this on a fantasy basic you know basic fantasy rules basic fantasy scoring uh way and we're going to do it kind of a snake i'm going to take one you're going to take one and we'll go back and forth on it you want to Want to lead off with your first pick? So I was going to ask you. So do you want to? If we're doing a snake draft, do you yeah. want the second and third pick, or do you want the first pick? I feel there is a true number one pick. I don't think you're going to pick it, so I'm cool with whichever direction you want. <laughs> I'll let you go. All right. So you'll do first, and then I'll do second and third. All right. Um, I am going to go with a very non-traditional first pick for this fantasy draft. I think Nick Cross is our best defender, and it's not even close. Okay. And therefore, I will take the value at the position. Nick Cross is the next defender to be drafted right he is the next defender to be a all maryland maryland great so i have um mr nick cross with all of his coming in his interceptions last year he appeared in all 12 games five starts tallied 45 tackles 30 of them solo including one for loss and led the team with two interceptions so he only had five starts and he led the team with two interceptions he will be starting every game this year um and will be one of and one of our leaders on that on that team Nick Cross is the biggest differential at the position. Interesting to go with defense in a fantasy draft, right? A defensive player uh, who typically, you know, you get your your defensive fantasy points from tackles and turnovers, interceptions, forced fumbles, that kind of thing. I, I agree with you 100% that I think Nick Cross will be the most impactful player on this defense this year, and I don't even think it's close. Uh, but interesting to go defense number one overall here. Okay, I just thought value of the position. He's just he's that much different. Everybody okay. else, there's there's an argument. Okay, I get that. All right, so I'm going to go with the position that typically generates the most fantasy value, uh, and we've got a cluster of guys here to pick from. But I'm going to take the most senior to pick here. I think the guy that I think is going to be able to come in. Uh, he was the number three running back on the depth chart last year. Is going to have a good season this year, and that's Tayon Fleet Davis. Six foot, two hundred and twenty pounds, senior running back. Uh, he appeared in ten games last year. He only had like two hundred sixty-five yards on sixty-three carries. He was fourth on the team with one hundred eighty-one receiving yards as well. Scored four touchdowns, evenly split between rushing and and receiving. I think he makes that next jump. He'll come out the gates as the bell cow back for the first few weeks before some of these younger guys come in and start stealing some carries away. Uh, but I got Tayon Fleet Davis as my. Uh, number one pick and then follow that up with my second pick if we're doing this snake draft the quarterback position for me is one of those ones where it's it's a crapshoot right it's it's a coin toss whoever gets this pick right 
is going to get the most fantasy value because it's going to he's going to be the starter at least in my opinion for a couple of weeks. They're going to have a leash on him. We how short hope. how short that leash will be, uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. And I don't I don't think for me I don't think this is much of a competition because I think there were some things that were wink wink hush hush agreements that were in place here. I'm going to go with Talia as my quarterback and my second pick, and the reason for that is he comes in as a junior, right? So he's got two years of eligibility. You've got Lance Lejean, who is still the red shirt freshman. So he's still a freshman. He's still got four years of eligibility. I think Talia comes in with the most experience. He comes from a program that Loxley has obviously worked with him in the past as a, as a secondary quarterback. Um, he's a, he's a four-star pros- prospect. Obviously he's got the, the brother, you know, in, in the NFL. So I think Talia comes in as the starting quarterback, and I think he has the biggest impact. I, I would agree. I think he's going to be the starter. I do think that there will be the same, like you said, wink, wink, nod, nod, that they gave, we think they gave Josh Jackson last year. Right. Because there's no reason we would No other reason Josh for Jackson. him to let him play that long. No, it's absolutely true. Um, I will say, I also believe that he was coming in as a junior with two years to play, and we need to double check that, but this is straight from umterps.com. They haven't listed as a sophomore. So if he has three years to play, that's something... That's something we need need to look into and know officially. Okay, because uh, that was I was pretty sure he only had two years of eligibility. I, I also thought the same thing. The only reason that I was just copy and pasted this from the UM Terps last night, I was like, "That's interesting." They have him down as a sophomore, but okay. I've seen a few typos there, so it could just be that. That's not our typo, guys. That's UM Terps typo. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> We're just a couple of fans behind microphones. I think he's got two years of eligibility. Either way, I think he only plays or he plays with that wink, wink, nod, nod uh, agreement that he has with Locks. Okay, well, I'm gonna take. A risky one here because why not? I already took a risky one to start off with. Okay. Um, I'm going to take Mr. Rakeem Jarrett. This is not risky because of his talent. He okay. is a stud. This is risky because, though I think he's going to be three years into the NFL, so there's no reason to redshirt him. You could very easily redshirt him when you're you know, one and three in a nine-game season and you only get four games worth of stats out of this man. Right. So Rakeem Jarrett. Uh, nation's number 20 ranked recruit nation's number two ranked wide receiver 2019 dc gatorade player of the year 2019 post all met offensive player of the year 2020 under armor all american of the year uh, this guy's got it all i mean we all know he's a stud if you're listening to this show you i don't gotta tell you about rakeem jarrett right he's he's he's, he's the the greatest person we got coming here since Diggs, and right. hopefully he surpasses what Diggs has got going on six foot 200 pounds as a true freshman uh this guy's got the body for it too. I think the big things in the works. Okay, I like it. You get one more pick. We're on the snake here, so. All right. Well, might as well finish it out there then. Dante Demas. Dante Demas. Dante okay. Demas is a big man. Six three, two seventeen, junior. Like I said, start out with a splash. His deep ball threat like no other. I uh, this this guy is that. This is who I like to see play wide receiver. This is that Calvin Johnson body type. Right. He's bigger, stronger, and better than you, and I'm going to get the ball. Um, he was one of Maryland's players to start all 12 games. It was only five other Maryland players to start 12 games last year. Honorable mention, all Big Ten. Led the Terps in every receiving category. Tallied 41 receptions, 625 yards, and six touchdowns, averaging over 52 yards a game. Uh, and he's the first uh, Maryland sophomore with six receiving touchdowns in a season since DJ Moore. Not bad company. Um, so this is, this guy's this guy could be great. Yeah, I agree with you. But what I what I also agree with is my strategy worked. I dropped in a little nugget about Jashawn Jones earlier, thinking that maybe if I talk him down a little bit, Ryan will stay away from him in the fantasy <laughs> draft, right? So I'm I'm following up. I'm taking Jashawn Jones here with my uh, with my next pick. I think exactly kind of what I was talking about earlier will will be exactly what what Locks uses him as is he will be that kind of Swiss Army knife weapon in this offense. They can line him up as an H back, they out of the backfield, they can line him up at wide receiver. So he's going to get carries, he's going to get receptions. He's going to be a fantasy monster in my opinion in this offense because I as you said Blocks is going to put the best talent on the field, and Deshaun Jones is definitely one of the most talented players in this offense. So I'm taking Deshaun Jones there with my number two overall pick, six foot, two hundred pound wide receiver. He was a five star, or no, he was a uh, sorry, he was a um, uh, 
three-star wide receiver coming out of Florida, high school. So. Right. <laughs> Six one one eighty five. Sorry, I was reading Rakim there. Uh, medical red shirt. You know, so he's a sophomore this year coming in. Uh, he had seven touchdowns, five receiving and two rushing as a freshman last year or two years ago. Had two, 22 receptions, 288 yards, 18 rushes for 173 yards, as well as that 20-yard passing touchdown that we mentioned against Texas. So this guy can do it all. I like Deshaun Jones here with my third pick. And then I'm going to follow that up with a running back that I think is going to eventually steal some carries from Tayon Fleet Davis that I think there'll be a nice one-two combo, and he's getting a lot of love so far in camp, and that's Penny Boone. The 6'1", 245-pound freshman running back, the 18th highest-rated running back in the country, ran for 1,282 yards on 129 carries, almost 10 yards per carry, ridiculous, 22 touchdowns as a senior last year. I like this guy's versatility. Uh, I also, you know, his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. There's a lot to like about Penny Boone. So I'm going to take Fleet Davis and Penny Boone here. All right. Well, I'm taking the other uh, NFL running back brother here. This is Mr. Isaiah Jacobs, uh, nation's number 35 ranked running back, sixth ranked player out of Oklahoma. Um, He helped lead his school in the 6A championships to both 2017 and 2019, um, a 2018 semifinal appearance. Rushed for 1,024 yards and nine touchdowns as a junior in 18. Uh, this, this guy's got it all. And his running back brother, Josh Jacobs, is 5'10", 220. He's 5'11", 221. Right. Let's just push him on all the way through the league. Let's go. <laughs> I like it. I all like right. it. Um, follow that up. I guess I got to get my boy. I got to finish out this defense. Mr. Ruben Hippolyte. How can I come out of a draft without Mr. Ruben? <laughs> I've been hyping Ruben since day one. It's true. The Ruben Hippolyte fanboy, ESPN 300 member, 6'1", 225, true freshman, four-star linebacker, 20th ranked outside linebacker in the country, defensive MVP of our Ray Lewis Academy. Can't shame that. (laughs) He chose Maryland over Penn State, Michigan, LSU, West Virginia, Auburn, all the big boys. This man says he wants to be the best linebacker in Maryland history. I believe him. I believe he's got a shot. And... If you're going to do that, you got to start early and often, and I think he's going to do that. Okay. All right. So I'm going to stay on the defensive side of the ball here too now. I, I need a wide receiver, and I need two defenders based on the way we're doing this. So I'm going to go with the guy that I think was the most consistent player on this defense last year, a guy that you and I got real excited about. Just his his football IQ is high. He's all over the field, and that's junior linebacker Chance Campbell. 6'3", 235-pound junior, played 10 games last year, two starts. Uh, He tallied 54 tackles, which you're talking about, again, defensive fantasy stats. You want a guy that's going to be a tackle beast, and I think he will be this year, was last year. He also had the uh, four-and-a-half sacks for or tackles for a loss. He had a fumble, forced fumble. He had an interception. So, again, he kind of gets you that fantasy value in multiple ways. I like Chance Campbell here as my first defender. Uh, And then I'm going to follow this up with a wide receiver that I don't think many people are thinking is going to have a big impact in this offense, not just this year or as a Terp in general. And I think it's sad because I think he flies under the radar. A guy that we had on the show in our very first episode, our inaugural episode, I'm taking wide receiver Dino Tomlin. I know it's kind of off the the radar here, a guy that not many people are expecting too much out of. I like Dino, and I think that he can have an impact on this team from a special team standpoint uh, as a slot wide receiver. You know, I, there's going to be different variations of, of three and four set receivers on this offense in this Mike Loxley offense. I like Don, or, uh, Dino Tomlin here, 5'11", 180-pound uh, redshirt freshman. He only played in two games last year against Howard and Rutgers in, in kind of mop-up time, so he didn't have a whole lot of experience. But I think he's a guy that might garner some, some further playing time. Yeah, so I mean, we'll D- Dino Tomlin's got great work ethic. Obviously, he's got, you know, his dad coaching the Steelers. Yeah. He's really taught him the grind over the years. Um, he had a, uh, at least he had one catch last year against Rutgers, finally on the field. It's a little bit clear, like the fourth place, the fourth wide receiver on the team is going to either be Dino or uh, I guess Darnell Jones maybe right. would be the other the other option there. Um, so it was basically a coin flip between which po- player you picked there. And yeah, why not go with Dino? Showed us some love, and I think he, he really could do some big things. Okay. 
Um, and then your other pick, Chance Campbell. I can't hate on that. It's an intelligent player, good leadership. Um, definitely, definitely one of the more exciting things we saw last year. Yeah, uh, I was just leaning more towards the freshman highlights, but that's been proved wrong in, in college football over <laughs> and over again. So you definitely might have had the safer pick there. All right. Um, so what I need. So a you need quarterback a quarterback and a running back. And a running back. Well. Let's the quarterbacks. There's only one left, so we'll just wait on him. But Mr. <laughs> Jake Funk. Okay. Mr. Jake Funk. Coach Funk, as they call him. The super senior. I feel like he's been here seven and a half years. Can he stay healthy? I, that's, I guess that's the only question. Right. I mean, he appeared uh, in first three games of the season last year before tearing ACL. My man's knees just been falling apart. Yeah. Um, tallied 183 yards on 17 carries with two touchdowns. Caught four passes for 16 yards. Career best, 94 yards and a touchdown on five carries over the number 21 Syracuse. Man's really good at short yardage. Uh, he's got a little bit more burst than you would give him credit for. He had a couple long chunk plays, um, and and he's senior leadership. I mean, outside of Fleet Davis, you have two freshmen. Right. So how fast can we work them into this system? You're, you're running into the big boys week two, three, and four. Are these freshmen really going to be ready for that kind of – defense they're going to be seeing that early could be a lot more jake funk and fleet davis till they get up to speed got it got it and then i guess that's my last look it brings my last pick mr lance legend lance you're not last place in my heart there's definitely a chance you could be here this was definitely fantasy strategy this is fantasy here. strategy they, whoever picked a quarterback first the love the next one was gonna be the last I should have just taken the second quarterback so you couldn't have a quarterback start <laughs> <laughs> be like yeah i'm just gonna do this <laughs> 6'1", 215, redshirt freshman, consensus four-star recruit among all recruiting outlets, top-ranked quarterback in Louisiana, eighth in the country. He was a member of the ESPN 300 club, chose Maryland over Florida State, Alabama, Missouri, Oklahoma. Last year, pretty much only got on the field to run the ball. He had a couple passing attempts over the years, then no stats really to speak of in either running or passing. Again, we were way too tied to Josh Jackson. Whenever he could stand up straight, they let him play, even though that was the wrong decision um, which is why I agree with Fred. I think Talia will end up being the starter because that's apparently the game we're playing with how we get transfer quarterbacks. Is so, so you just admitted to not having any value at your quarterback position, huh? Yeah, I mean... Hurts your fantasy team a little bit, huh? We'll see. And and <laughs> I would like to not have any value at my quarterback position because that would mean we had one quarterback yeah, all year, but I that know. has not been true for a decade at Maryland. So there is, there is some quarterback that's like, we just drop it uh have a have a non uh scholarship quarterback as our backup will flex in here <laughs> build the waiver wire right. i just looked at this more as like taking ownership of these players the players we're excited about um we're gonna put this out as a poll to start so that'll be like hang on one. a second i haven't even gotten my last pick in yet oh, you're ready you to got? talk about the 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 way that this whole thing's gonna shake out i'm going to take i thought he was done <laughs> i'm gonna take the steal of the draft with this last pick Guy that you didn't even have on your checklist of guys that you were even considering taking. Which was an oversight. I'm taking Ayinde Ely, a guy that was, again, another player that under the radar all over the field last year. He played in 11 games, nine starts last year, only missed the Michigan State game last year. 79 tackles, which again is what gets you fantasy points from the defensive position, led the Terps with two fumble recoveries while also posting four tackles for a loss, had the half a sack, an interception, and five pass breakups. Now remember, this is all before... Keandre Jones left, right? Keandre Jones was last year, was here last year. Keandre Jones has now moved on. He's still fighting the the NFL dream and trying to make a roster out there in the NFL or the CFL. Good luck to him. But I think, I don't know. I think this is a good spot for him to step up, take even more reps, and get even more tackles. I think he might come out of all four defenders that we took having the most fantasy value as far as football goes on defensive side. You can keep your fantasy value, and I'll keep my highlight films, because that's what I just built. I just built a highlight film roster. <laughs> <laughs> I got Nick Cross coming down with interceptions, Ruben Hippolyte laying the wood. I got Rakeem Jarrett and Dante Demas running. You got a lot of names. People. You got a lot of names. You got a lot of flash, but let's let's recap this, right? So just again, looking at fantasy value here, at quarterback, I've got Talia, you've got Lejean. So it's just going to come down to who starts and who doesn't for the that. Legend. Right. At running back, 
I've got the the senior in Fleet Davis and the rookie or the rookie the the freshman in Penny Boone. You have the freshman in Isaiah Jacobs and the the senior in Jake Funk. So interesting how we kind of put the the two you know two pieces of senior veteran leadership and potential together there. Yep. So it's a matter of who hits there. Wide receiver, obviously, I think this is where you got me. You've got the the hype in Rakeem Jarrett at five star, you know, the five star wide receiver that's coming in as a freshman, and then you've got the senior veteran in Dante Demas, who we expect big things from this year. I certainly got you on height. We're like seven or eight inches taller than your computer, <laughs> right? My wild card is uh, is is going to be Dante as a uh, Dino Tomlin. Obviously, I, I don't think he's going to have a ton of playing time, but I do think he will have an impact in this offense. Uh, and then I think the bigger piece for me from a fantasy value wide receiver spot is is um, Jayshon Jones. Obviously, like I said, I think he's going to have an impact both in the backfield and as a wide receiver. Defensive players, you got the flash in Nick Cross and Ruben Hippolyte. That's flash. That's a lot of flash. That's a lot of talent, man. Ruben hey, Hippolyte's start coming your in. Studs. I, I've been I've been repping these boys forever. I had to draft them, right? <laughs> and then I got the two tackle machines in Chance Campbell and Ayinde Ely. You definitely have the senior leadership there. You definitely have you know proven starters, guys that are going to get a ton of fantasy points. Like, tackles. We just looked at it different, man. Like, yeah, I I think that you'll win a lot of fantasy points. Right. Well, I first of all have to this look up. This is a fantasy draft. How many points do you get for tackles? You get a point for every tackle. Well, I lost already then. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to put this out as a poll, and we're going to see who likes which team better, and I think I win that one. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Okay, so this is the depression part of the cast where if you want to tune out now, right, go ahead. Appreciate you guys tuning in for just, the 45 minutes that you've been here. Just turn the volume down and let it run <laughs> so that I can like feel like you guys listened to all of it. <laughs> we we got to talk about it, man, because there's been a lot of impact, not only with the football squad, but just the athletic program as a whole at the University of Maryland due to COVID. Um, I know you were kind of diving a little bit into this as far as a revenue standpoint and, and some of the losses that we've had there and some of the impact that that's had on coaches. Can you break that down a little bit for us and just kind of let us know where things stand with uh, some of the, the complications of the revenue? Yeah, so I was starting to worry about this as they canceled the season. That was when I started really digging into this. It's like, what is this going to do? You already lost so much money in March Madness. Just crazy dollar figures you lost. Then you're talking about losing an entire Big Ten football season in revenue. So I was looking at the fallout for not only football and basketball, but all of the other sports that just leech off of the money from these guys to, to be able to field a team. All right, well, in addition to early in the pay cut, everyone in the whole University of Maryland system taking a 10% cut to their salary if they make over $150,000, which included teachers, program professors, director heads. Coaches were obviously included in that. Anybody making over $150,000. Anybody over $150,000. The school also went back to the coaches and asked them to take voluntary pay cuts um, just a couple weeks ago so this is across the board with the entire athletic department yes all right well let's let's take a look at the, the top three coaches and kind of how that impacted their sca- their salaries and what they voluntarily did themselves so let's look at locks let's look at turgeon and let's look at freeze yeah so basically all the major programs head coaches took pay cuts turgeon who has the, been with the terrapins 2011 receives a salary of about 3.1 million loxley in a second year is making 2.6 million Freeze made nearly $1.3 million. So you're talking some really big numbers. This pay cut that they agreed to um, will be coming out of their supplemental income. So the way that they do theirs is it's like a salary plus supplemental income. I would imagine the supplemental income is different for them because it has to pay for their travels to all these kids' houses across the country to play for all these things. So that 10% cut they were mandated for early in the year only came off of their salary, which is why they came back to these coaches for this cut on the supplemental income portion um so for for uh turgeon that and loxley that exceeds two million dollars so we're not talking pennies they're giving back to the school so they all voluntarily took uh this 10 percent cut on their supplemental income um mr uh evans the athletic director right uh makes seven hundred twenty thousand per year which includes a supplemental income of one hundred twenty thousand. he's also volunteered for this uh pay cut so that's $12,000 he's given back to the school. Um, 
Also, some of the school's highest earning assistant coaches, men's basketball assistant coaches, Matt Braddy and DeAndre Haynes, and Orlando Ranson, uh, and football assistant coaches, George Hallou, John Hoke, and Scotty Montgomery also volunteered to take this pay cut. So some of your big, big time payments and your big time programs. Got it. Um, so that's, it helps. It's not going to make up for this 35 to $65 million. They're trying to find different ways. I mean, think of all the money that, that you guys spend going to these football games. Yeah. You guys spend it going to these basketball games. Like, we've lost all of it. So, But this is also part of the reason that they had to shelve, like, the, the, the big upgrades in, the, in the, the stadium as well. Although they did get a, a uh, nice upgrade to the field over the last couple of weeks, they did have to, to halt some projects that they were looking at building new screens at the football field. Yeah, supposedly the screens are purchased. They didn't hang them because there's no one to watch them. And okay. everyone went wear and tear. We have been lied to in the past, so that could be true. But I would imagine if they were customized to Maryland, that's going to be pretty hard to to sell them off to somebody else right? Um, at that point. So I'm imagining they're sitting in a warehouse somewhere waiting to go up. They did replace all the turf, like you're saying. Um, from what I've heard, this was a flooding issue that caused them to replace the turf it wasn't really like a forced uh, upgrade so a potential insurance claim yeah this could have been a potential insurance claim which sounds great <laughs> yeah if this was if this was a free upgrade it looks nice i mean capital I, one field you know the, the the big obviously difference is they've got the 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 new m at uh midfield yeah did you notice there was kind of almost two-tone grass every 10 yeah. yards was like a lighter shade or a darker shade yeah i feel like a lot of colleges are going to that that's, that's kind of interesting look i like that a little bit yeah um but one of the ways they're trying to raise revenue this year they've offered is the cardboard cutouts you've seen across uh, the country the nfl uh yeah dig here so they took a little bit different spin which i really liked so number one no matter what you level you buy you can collect your cardboard cutouts at the end of the year that's cool. just throwing away these cardboard cutouts and creating a whole environmental mess which is probably one of the reasons they did it they're always very environmentally friendly at maryland which i i did do the cardboard cutout for the ravens uh as a as a season ticket holder and that is not an option with that yeah so it's, it's a little creative so there's gonna be a pickup date or two at the end of the season to pick these up um there's also a premium version so it's 55 dollars just to have a cardboard cutout in the stands and you will get it back at the end of the year if you'd like to pick it up. Okay. Then the $75 version, the one that me and Fred did, <laughs> is uh, is you get your cardboard cutout. It gets premium seating. It does not describe what premium seating is. I'm assuming it means front row. Section 7. Hopefully, yeah. Can I request Section 7, <laughs> row E, please? Put me where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also Mike Loxley will sign the cardboard cutout nice. before you get to pick it up. $20 for a signature from the head coach and, you know, premium seating where you might actually, might actually see, see yourself on TV. On TV. That was a worth no the 20 bucks. No brainer. Right. Yep. And so, it's the entire season. Yeah, it's the entire season. And I see this as a hopefully one of a time collectible. Yeah. Like, hopefully we're not doing be this a nice addition to the man again. cave. Like, this will be a cool. Like, why do you have that, dad? Like, right. Uh, this was the worst year yeah. of the ever. We that right there is 2020 in a nutshell, yeah. son. That's how I attended the 2020 <laughs> season. <laughs> so I thought that was very cool. It's good to be in, in a inventive, but it's just not going to be enough. There's yeah. still there's still going to be fallout from this. I mean, all the money that's lost, you could really see losing collegiate programs. They're doing everything they can to not because we're trying to hang in the Big Ten. Right. Like, this is one of the reasons we came to the Big Ten is that like those other sports winning championships is making money for us. Yeah. We have we have more Big Ten championships than any other school since coming into the Big Ten, and we're not even really good at the men's basketball and football. Yeah. You know, obviously but, men's basketball is good, but not we're not dominating. I love I love this cardboard cutout idea. I think it's cool. It's it's definitely a way to keep fans engaged. But let's be honest, it's seventy five dollars a one time fee. You know, for maybe a couple of thousand people that do this. It's a drop in the bucket as far as how this is going to actually impact or help them recover from this re revenue loss. Yeah, I, I I really think you're going to see a fallout. Currently, you have eight men's team and 11 women's teams because of Title Nine, which, again, I don't think belongs in college because these are grownups. These are not children that we have to spread money out on. Right. But you have to spend equal money on women's and men's sports. So these grownups getting the money to spend on them equally means that football costs a lot of money to put on. So there's always more women's sports, no matter where you look at in the country, than there are men's sports due to that. Yeah. Um, right now, 
men's basketball and football is where you make their money, so they're safe. They're not going anywhere. Unless yeah. the whole program closes, football and basketball will be there. It's going to be all these secondary programs, you know, like the golf team, track and field, wrestling, yeah. baseball could even go under. At at Maryland, the, the soccer team's just too good to go anywhere. The lacrosse yeah. team's too good to go anywhere. You're winning too many national championships. Baseball is fringe. Baseball is a good yep. program, but it's it's fringe as far as how much they bring in. Yep, so I'm, I'm looking at wrestling, golf, track and field, baseball uh, could easily get the axe if even even if temporarily even if they have to bring them back five years from now i don't know how they're gonna be able to support these things yeah um four men's sports means you're probably looking at about seven women's sports making it if it's this worst case scenario four men's sports um so you're looking at um basketball obviously gonna stick around brenda free is gonna keep winning championships field hockey and lacrosse also are great uh soccer seems like a lock due to its popularity and success base with the men's program as well right and they do a lot of travel and stuff together um i guess is volleyball and track and field would make the cut just because you need to spend equal money as football so you're looking at cross-country gymnastics and tennis as lost programs yeah and again this is this is worst case scenario but this is happening all across the country this may not happen at maryland this will happen somewhere right this is a this is a guarantee And, and this is part of the problem with with where we are with with and this is part of the problem with why people are having to fight to pay for players. This is all part. This is all involved. Think about our trip to Minnesota too. And one of the things that we were impressed with when we walked around that campus was just the individual facilities that they had for every program, right? Like if, if if we use Comcast center for everything, exactly. They had had a volleyball center. They had a basketball center. They had a, they had had things for everything. Men's and women's. It was all like, yeah, it's just crazy. And if, and if a university like that's impacted, think of all the waste that comes along with that with these facilities. Yeah, that's it's it's sad. It's pretty insane. Yeah. I mean, the donor base was already stretched thin with the upgrades to both basketball and football, and now everybody hitting this economic impact of what's going on. I don't think you're gonna be reaching the donors. Hopefully, because of the restructuring of debt that we talked about a couple episodes ago, they can float this a while and see if things get better. Yeah. But if you're not if you're not getting March Madness next year, it's it's gonna have to happen. Right. I mean, and right if you're now, I'll butts I'll, in the seats in a Big Ten football I'll, stadium next year. I'll be honest with you. Right now, with the the way things look with this basketball squad, and we're not going to talk much about basketball on this episode, but we will be talking about them in the future. I don't know how much of a lock this Maryland team is to make the tournament going into next year with the lack of size and everything that they have, and that would be a huge, huge loss, especially considering how successful they should have been or could have been this past season going into that tournament, right? Yeah. They missed out on that. And then, you know, they lose the core of their team and Anthony Cowan and, and sticks sticks going to the NBA. They don't have any size coming in to replace, you know, sticks. They don't have any, you know, big guys coming in. They, they lost out on Hamilton's uh, transfer. So there's a lot of question marks with this hoop squad that they might not even make the tournament this year, which that Hamilton transfer is a mess on itself. We can it talk is. an episode from that. I know. Uh, I, I don't know. I, it's, 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 this is, I hope everything goes well. I hope that the NFL can stay the course and happen because if the NFL starts canceling games, yes, the NFL is now showing that we are transmitting player to player COVID. I mean, it can't be proven where you got it, but most likely player to player COVID transmission. But what the NFL is also proving is no one's been hospitalized. Barely any of them have had symptoms. So it it really is kind of lending it to itself of these ultra healthy human beings aren't really affected like this general public aren't really affected like the older populations. Yeah. So maybe we can continue with normal with that. Maybe we can get through it. So it's, it's the full Guinea pig. If the NFL cancels, just like the NBA canceled and killed March madness, then this big 10 season will never happen. And then we were talking this worst case scenario that I've put out here, but Uh. hopefully we get this play, you know, fanless season. We get the TV revenue. We can start, stopping the bleeding and start recovering from all this because you know college sports is huge college sports is you know some of the best times of these guys lives even in the you know other sports the non-rev sports right like that's the things they've learned there and moved to the real world experiences are are big and i get that's why title nine's there again i don't think it should be there because they're not children they are adults right (laughs) that's by definition they could be fighting wars for us they could be you know elsewhere they're adults so I, I hope everything works out. I hope we get this bleeding under control. And uh, oh, man, hopefully, well, hopefully we wake up from this nightmare soon. <laughs> like it's just, 
Ugh, the more and more we talk about it, the more and more we think about it, the more and more depressed I get about it all. Yeah, the, the disease isn't going anywhere. Yeah, I don't, I it, it's 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 how we can live with it, and so yeah. we're how we're we starting. It. We're starting to get into that. There are groups of people that are wanting to get into that. Now you can't ignore it. You can't be stupid, guys. If you want a, 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 a basketball season and a football season, wear your mask. Like right. it's, it's not that hard. Do your part. Do what you can. Don't yep. don't crush like. Don't hide in your house for the rest of your life. Like, no, that's not that's not an acceptable way to treat this. But if you can do something fun and wear a piece of fabric over your face, it's not that bad. You put you, you, a lot of people don't want to wear clothes. Like right. we still put on shirts and shorts to go to Wawa. I know. You have to go to a nudist colony if you want to be a nudist. You don't get to be a nudist <laughs> in Wawa just because you want to be a nudist. It's not allowed. So just put the mask on. Do what you got to do. And have a good time. And I'll see you at Section 7 in 2021. I hope so, man. I hope so. Appreciate everybody tuning in, as always. Uh, if you guys have any questions or anything that you heard on the show that you'd like to give your opinions on, hit us up on all of our social medias. You can hit Ryan up at Terps B. Espert. You can hit me up at Fred BLBS. You can send any questions that you may have in to our email at shellandtellpod at gmail.com. Uh, be sure to follow us on Facebook as well, as we've been starting to get some content back going up on Facebook. So we'll, we'll try to be more interactive there as well. If you haven't, heard the audio podcast on maybe your app of choice and you're listening to this on on an, another app that you found it on you can find this podcast on anything now it's out there on spotify it's on iHeartRadio. it's on google it's on i itunes the entire gambit appreciate all your support ryan sign us off all right this is not the year i imagine we don't get to renew our wvu rivalry we won't get to continue our away game big 10 tour but hey so far there will still be football so that continues Wear your mask. Till next time, here's to wishing all is well under the show.